This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Ready? Our we're going to start off with this in Parashat It's going to be about the Kispo Saifo. So very quickly, before we go into anything whatsoever, um, we're going to have to explain about the Big Day Kuna I'm not going to go through all eight, but one of the things that the Kohen Gubble had was the Choshen that was right in front. We talked about some of the gemstones that they donated last week that went on the Choshen itself, and then the aphod, which was the backwards apron that they wore, that Rashi says looked like a woman, uh, an apron that was worn by women as they rode horses, that they put it right in the back over there. So the way to connect those two, because this went on top of everything. They had their Ksones, the big long shirt that went on top, the Me'il went on top, and in order to connect the Choshen to the aphod in order to keep it up, what they would do is they had these little mishpitzos of these little tiny little things, which according to Ramban are chains, which we talked about last week, these little things of zav that connected up to the kisfosa aphod, the shoulders of the aphod itself. Those shoulders of the aphod were made out of avne shoham, which seemingly is onyx stone, O-N-Y-X, onyx stone that they put on top, the stone of Yosef Atzadik on the Choshen, they put two, one over here, one over here. One had chains leading down to the Choshen, one had chains, the other side had chains leading down to the aphod itself, and then the aphod wrapped around all the way down and then connected with two other chains in the bottom to the Choshen right over here. So the Choshen had two chains this way, two chains this way, these two chains went to the Kisot's aphod and over there. Now, on those two Avne Ephod, it had the following. Six of their names of the Shvatim were on one stone. And the six names, the other six names, the remaining six names were on the second stone. It says, Ki told us some according to the way that they were born. Literally, that word would be, you write them according to the way that they were born, and that would be that. Now, very quickly, the order of the Shvatim, if we wanted to say it in order, from the beginning to the end, Ruvain is obviously the oldest, then Shimon, then comes Levi, then comes Yehuda. Then as everybody knows, it switched off after that. Then it came Don and Aftali, born from Bilha, Gud and Asher, from Zilpah, and then Yosef and Binyamin, yes, I'm sorry, Yisachar Zvulin, and then Yosef Binyamin. So the Bnei Leah were split up, you had Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, then the Bnei Shvachos, right, Don Aftali, Gud, Asher, then Yisachar Zvulin, the end of the Bnei Leah, and then Yosef and Binyamin. That's if it went purely Kitoldosam, if it went purely according to the names that they went from one to the other. But the problem is, is that we don't know exactly what the word Kitoldosam means. Does it mean literally according to their birth, or does it mean something else entirely? So here's the Gemara. Sota Lamed Vavamidal. The Gemara in Sota Lamed Vavamidal says it's a machlokis between two Tanayim. The Tanakama holds only the second stone had the Shvatim in birth order. But the first stone did not. And the reason why it didn't have them in order is because Yehuda was listed first before all the other Shvatim on that first stone. Two stones, the second stone was entirely in order, but the first stone had Yehuda there, right there. I do have this entire list. If you can see it, great. If you can't, that's okay. You have Yehuda, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Don, Naphtali, God, Usher, Yisachar, Zvulin, Yosef, Binyamin. The only difference, this is entirely in order. God, Usher, Yisachar, Zvulin, Yosef, Binyamin is in order of when they were given birth. But in this one, Yehuda is put first because, seemingly because he's the king itself. That's the idea behind it. Altogether, if you count up both of these sides, you're going to count, you're going to see that there should have been, in some way, 
50 letters, 25 on each stone. 25 on this stone, you got 5, 5, 5, 3, 2, and 5, that's 25. And then 2, 3, 5, 5, 4, and 6. If you count Binyamin with that extra Yud. That's the Tanakama's opinion. 25 letters on one stone, 25 letters on the other stone, and it kind of makes sense. Now why would Yehuda be put first over everybody else? The Orachai Makadosh, it's really a Yerushalmi that brings down Yehuda is the king. He deserves to be first. He's the first one to go by the Degullim. When they did all the travels in the Midbor, Yehuda is the first one to go. So it makes sense that he's the one that's going to be listed before everybody else, and therefore goes through. The Torah Tamima does not like that answer. He, he must not have realized it was Yerushalmi. But the Torah Tamim himself says that can't be it. That makes no sense. Yisachar and Levi were teachers of Klai Yisrael. Teachers of Klai Yisrael should have come before Yehuda. They were greater than the kings. If you're going to teach Torah, that makes you better, so to speak. So he gives a different answer. He says, since Yehuda has the shame Havaya within his name, Yud K Vav K is in the word Yehuda. You have the actual Yud K Vav K of a Baruch's name in it. Therefore, he went first as a Torah Tamim. That's why he was put first. Either way, that's the Tanakhama's opinion. That's what goes down. Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel is the other Tana that argues over there. Tana comments is one. Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel says a different answer. Says the division of these names is not according to what we see in Sefer Bamidbor, but rather in Sefer Shmos. At the beginning of Shmos, and everyone knows this, there's a list of all the Shvatim in which it says, Ela Shmos ben Yisrael. These are the names of ben Yisrael that went down to Mitzrayim. And it says all the ben Leah first. It goes through Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehudi, Yisachar, Zvulin. And then it's interesting, and it says, Ubin Yamin. And then it says, Don Naftali God Asher. And at the very end, and Yosef Hayab Mitzrayim. Yosef was a Mitzrayim. Says Rechani Ben Gamliel, that's how they were listed. Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehudi, Yisachar, Zvulin, all of Leah's kids, right in order over there. Ben Yamin was the next in the Pasuk. Then Don Naftali God Asher, and Yosef at the very end. According to this opinion of Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel, the word kitoldosam, which we just set up above, kitoldosam means in the order of each one of the shvatim, how they were born. Well, according to Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel, that doesn't work because Binyamin is put before Don Naftali Gadasher. Yisachar Zvulin is on the right-hand side with all the other Bnei Leah. Kitoldosam doesn't work that way. So according to him, the word kitoldosam doesn't mean the order of how they were born. It means rather the names given to them at birth. They were given the names of Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulin. Those are the names given to them. Later on, Moshe Rabbeinu changed some of those names. He said, Mishpachas Haruveni, Mishpachas Ashimoni. Rabbi Hanani Megamliel says, how do you know which one went to the Avnei Epod? Maybe it was Ruveni and not Ruvain. That's Kitoldosam. Kitoldosam means the name that they were given at the time of their birth. That's Kitoldosam at their birth. It doesn't refer to how to put the order. That's something else entirely, says Rechani Ben Gamliel. Rather, what they're supposed to do is it's supposed to be Kitoldosam according to their names at their birth. That's how you order it over there. That's the shot. Now, there is a third opinion. The third opinion is an Amora by the name of Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana seems to argue on Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel in the Tanakama, and it's actually rejected by the Gemara. The reason why it's rejected is because in Amora, Rav Kahana probably is the Talmud of Rav. We're talking about a second generation Amora. Cannot argue in Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel in the Tanakama, who probably would have been later generation Tanoim. They wouldn't be able to do this. So the Gemara rejects Rav Kahana altogether. But what does Rav Kahana say? Rav Kahana says they were split up according to how they were split up on Har Grizim 
and Har Evel. Now, what does that mean? Har Grizim and Har Evel were two mountains in which B'nai Yisrael were to cross over the Jordan River, it says in Parshish Kisavo, and they would go to Har Grizim and Har Evel. And at Har Grizim and Har Evel, they were going to have the brachos and the klolos. There were going to be the brachos that they were going to get in the klolos. What happened was, is they had six shvatim on top of Har Grizim, six shvatim on top of Har Evel. The way to remember this is, the good mountain was Grizim, Gimel for, for, for good, and Evel was evil, that's the evil mountain over there. The six shvatim that were up on top of here, they heard the brachos, and these six shvatim heard the klolos. On the bottom, Shevet Levi had their zikanim, not the younger people, those were up on top, but the, the Shevet Levi had zikanim and the kohanim, they would go with the Aron Kodesh itself, and they sat in the middle, and they would call out loud. They would first turn to Har Grizim, and they would say, Baruch, they would say a bracha, Asher Yakim is Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah as those. That blessed is the person that upholds this Torah. And everybody in Har Grizim would answer, Amen. And then they turn to the other mountain, Har Evo, and they would say, Cursed Aror, Asher Lo Yakim is Sefer Torah as those. Somebody who does not uphold the words of this Torah, and all the people in Har Evo would say, Amen. So that's what happened, and they accepted upon themselves the bris of Klai. So it did not mean that these were blessed and these were cursed. It just meant that the brachos went this way, the klolos went that way. According to this idea, Kana says the split on these mountains was the same split that we have for over here by the Avne Ephod. By Hargreaves and Har-Evel, there was a weird split. There was Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Yosef, and Binyamin. Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Yosef, Binyamin. On the other side was Ruvain, Zvulin, Don Naftali, God, and Asher. And Har-Evel was, again, Ruvain, Altogether, Ruvain, Zvulin, Don Naftali, God Usher. That split was how the Avne Ephod went. One had all the, the first ones that I mentioned, the second one had everything over there. Now, for that to work, you still needed 25 per stone. In order to get the 25 per stone, Binyamin was a little bit of a kasha. If you look at the opinion, Shimon is five, Levi is three, Yehuda is five, Yisachar is five, Yosef is four, you needed something by Binyamin to make it a little bit different. It could be that Yosef is a little bit different and it's got the extra hay there, right? But that's that. You have Yosef, and then there's Ben, perhaps. On the other side, Reuven, Zvulin, Naftali, and, uh, and Gad and Usher is five each, that's 20. Dun is two. Then you need Yamin, Yudmem Nun, to be able to come out with 25 on the other side. You needed that. Either it was that or Zvulin was full and then Bini would be on the first side, Min was on the second side, whichever one it was. But according to Rav Khanna's opinion, it seems that that went there, that there was Ben on one side, Yamin on the other, or Bini on one side, Min on the other side. Somehow it equaled up that there were 25 on each stone, all from this way. Targum Yonas Menuzil, although we don't go with this opinion of Rav Khanna, Targum Yonason Menuzil might hold this way. The reason why Targum Yonason might hold this way is because he says, Shisha Mishmosam. It seems like he says, part of their names are on one stone, part of their names are on another stone. It's Miktas Shmason on one and the other, which was what refers to Binyamin over here. It could be from this wording of the Targum Yonason Menuzil, Rav Kahana got his idea of Bini and Min, which means essentially Targum Yonason Menuzil. Does anybody know who Yonason Menuzil was? If Targum Yonasan is the Yonas and Benuzil, Yonas Benuzil says the Gemara in Sukkah, Chavchasim and Aleph, was the oldest Talmud of Hillel out of the 80 Talmudim that he had, 30 that were able to stand the sun in the sky, 30 that were ready for the Shechina to be upon them, then 20 in the middle. Out of the youngest was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. The oldest was Yonas and Benuzil. However you want to learn up that Gemara where Yonas and Benuzil was, you're the best of the 80 or the best of those 20. But Yonas and Benuzil was there. He was an early Tana. 
If Rav Kahana's opinion stems with Yonas and Ben Uziel's opinion, then it could be that Rav Kahana has something to rely on, and in older Tana than both Rabbi Chanim Gamliel and the Tanakama. It's possible that Rav Kahana is based on something, and that's something the Targum Yonasan points out over here as well. Mesha Chochma says it's even hinted to in the Torah. This idea of Rav Kahana, which is rejected by the Gemara, is hinted to in the Torah itself. It says by Binyamin. Bank Seifov Shachain. Between the shoulders, he rests. That's what it says. He will rest. Binyamin rests between the shoulders. A reference to the base of Mikdash. But now it could be literal. One stone over here, one stone over here. Bank Seifov, between his shoulders, he rested. Bini was on one, and Min was on the other side. He had letters on both shoulders. Says the Meshachachma, that's the hint that Binyamin was split up from one to the other. And therefore, according to Rav Kana, not only do you have a remez in the Torah that the Meshachachma says is by the bracha of Binyamin, you also possibly have a Targum Yonus and Uziel. So although the Gemara said rejects it out of hand, it could be that there is an opinion that Rav Kana is not totally out because he does have something to rely on. Yes? Why are we what for what? What do you mean? For the, for the, children, the, the we're, Why are we discussing or why are they? <laughs> now you're asking, okay, I hear what you're saying. If the Tanoim and Amorim, what are they arguing about, right? If it's not going to be for their, their time, they're living after the base of Mikdash is already destroyed, the second base of Mikdash, then why would they argue about this point? It seems like it's Hilchasil Mashiach, as the Gemara calls it, a halacha for the times of Mashiach. The answer is simple, though. The answer is, is that we're always prepared for when the base of Mikdash is there, and in theory, if we knew how to make the onyx stones, and there was a way of doing it, which we have, through laser or through diamond, that would not utilize metal that would be a problem, then you could make the Avnea Aphod. And if you're going to make the Avnea Aphod, you're going to do it in order to get yourselves ready for the base of Mikdash coming in. How should you do it? Therefore, they're arguing. So it's a little bit more than just the Hilchasel Mashiach. It seems like it's something that actually could be applied right now. You could do something with it right now. Torah Mima says, there is a serious Shiloh if you're allowed to split up a word in the Torah. Kidarla Omer is one of the names of the kings that fought against Avram Avinu. And we spoke about this in Parshish Lech Lecha. It's possible that Kidarla Omer is two separate words. And they have to be spelled in two different ways. It's one of the words that in theory you could write at the end of a sentence in the Torah and start the rest of the word on the other sentence. Sort of how, you know, if you're running out of room, you just put a dash and then you continue the word on the other side. So Kidarla Omer might be that way. But you can't do that normally by regular words. Here we see Binyamin, you're allowed to do it. So says the Torah Tamima, it's possible that this is only because it's stoned on the Koshin, but you wouldn't be able to do this on the Torah. If somebody came up to the word Binyamin, and he's at the end of the line of the Torah, would he be allowed to do Ben and Yamin on the other line, or Bini and Min on the other line? Would he be allowed to do that? That's a Shiloh. And the Shiloh would be answered according to this. If you hold like Rav Kana, then you clearly can split up Binyamin's name. But is that only by the Avnei Epo? Does it also apply by the Torah itself? If you hold like Rav Chanim and the Tanakhama, there's no reason to say it. It seems like Binyamin cannot be split up. And that is a nafkamina for writing a Sefer Torah. If a Sofer is really messed up and has the word Binyamin at the end of a line, can he continue it on the next line? Right there might be based on this Machlokas over here. There's another machlokas on how to get to the 50 letters. Over here, if you notice, Binyamin is spelled with two yuds. Everybody else is spelled like this. Zvulun is spelled with one vav. Zion Bez Vav Lamed Nun. Although there is a version of the Rambam where it's spelled Zion Bez Lamed Vav Nun. 
But we spell Zion Bey's Vav Lamed Nun. Yosef is spelled Yud Vav Samach Pei, not Yehosef, which is also his name mentioned in, in Tehillim. So there's Yosef, there's Zvulin with one Vav, which means Binyamin has two Yuds. Binyamin is two Yuds over here. Binyamin is two Yuds over here, though this one doesn't matter. And Binyamin is spelled with one Yud on this side, on the, the opinion of Rav Kahana. That could very well be a massive machlokas, how to spell Binyamin's name. We'll get to it at some point later on. But the Rambam is going to be the most interesting part of all of that. We'll get to that in a second. But that's machlokas in the Gemara. Rabbi Yitzchak holds that Binyamin is spelled with, uh, Binyamin is spelled with one Yud and Yosef is known as Yehosef. Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak, his son, Paskins, that no, it's Binyamin with two Yuds and Yosef is spelled as regular Yosef, not with Yosef itself. Here's the problem, says Orachim HaKadosh. I've got problems on the Pusik itself. The wording in the Pusik, Shisha Mishmosam, Allah Eben Achas, is weird. Six from their names are written on one stone. Now, corner of Kana, we already said, that makes sense, you split it up. But shouldn't you just write Shisha Shemos, Allah Eben Achas? Shisha Shemos, Allah Eben Achas, Shisha Shemos, Allah Eben Achinis. That's the way you should do it. Why is it Shisha Mishmosam? That's number one. Number two, the word Hanosarim, the six that are left, as if they're not as important. Why do you use that word, Hanosarim? That's weird. Why would you use that? That word is used when you're dealing with somebody who's like a bad guy. Like the rest of the sheep went to Lavan. Nadav and Avihu died, and the rest of the sons, Allah said, we're not on the level of Nadav and Avihu, they were left to Aaron. That's what you do then. But that's like the weaker answer. Why are we going with that when we have so many other things to do? The Marl Diskin has a whole idea that goes through over here, but we're not going to go through it over here. Then Itziv says the Nosarim is there specifically for one reason. And the idea is, is to indicate that these six Shvatim that were put on the second stone were just as great as the ones on the first stone. They weren't any different whatsoever. The only reason they were even placed on the second stone is because there was no room. It's literally, they ran out of room. They were therefore Nosarim, left out. Not because they weren't as good, they were simply left out because there wasn't enough room to put 12 shvatim on one stone. Therefore, it was six on one, six on the other. That's how they ended up putting it over there. Do you know yeah. the, the word weaker shvatim than... How do you know that? From where? You're right. You're 100% right. In Parshas Vayigash, when Yosef Atzadik took shvatim to stand them in front of Paro, he took the five weakest shvatim, stood them in front of Paro to make sure that they weren't going to be chosen for army duties. But does that mean that they were weaker altogether or just weaker in physicality? That could be, since they, that's no difference to us, it's only a difference to Paro, they're not necessarily no sarim, they're just weaker in stature or whatever it is, so they wouldn't join the army. I don't think that makes them weaker in spirit. That doesn't make it any better. So good, guys. We have three opinions, right? We have the Tanakhama, Rechini, Megulim, and Rav Kana. That's great. Two Tanaim and Amora. Maybe the Amora is going with another Tana. That's great. So you'd expect that Rashi and the Rambam would go with one of these Shitos, right? But of course not. It's Rashi and the Rambam. Why would they go with any of those Shitos? Rashi says, it goes, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Don, Naftali. God usher Yisachar Zvulin Yosef bin Yamin. He goes in order of how they're born, does not put Yehuda first. Tanakama said it's all the same, but Yehuda's first, right? That would be Rashi, but here he says Yehuda's first. He's arguing on a Tana. If we reject Rav Kahana, because he's arguing on Tanayim, certainly we would reject Rashi if he's arguing on Tanayim, right? 
how could he argue on two tenayim? That doesn't make any sense. Now, according to Rashi, it also works out perfectly. There are 25 letters in every stone. 25 letters in this one, 25 letters in this one. It works out perfectly if you have binyamin with the extra yud. It does work out perfectly. Kitol dosam is pashup shot. It goes in order of their birth. And they're mamish in order of the actual birth. That makes a ton of sense. And everything makes a ton of sense over here. So if you go through this, I would think that Rashi would be the pashup shot. But it goes against tenayim. So you should know Josephus in Antiquities. It's mentioned in Antiquities 375. Ends up saying like Rashi. I'm not going to use this. I'm just going to tell you. Josephus was a Tana. Yosifun was a Tana. If the same Josephus was living at the times of Tanoim, he lived at the times of the Chorban Beis Amikdash, Chorban Bayesheni, right around that time, a little bit earlier, he would have been around Hanukkah time. If we're dealing with that, right, then Josephus in theory is a Tana that Rashi can go with. But I don't know if Rashi ever saw Josephus' book. I don't know if this is the antiquities that we refer to when we refer to Yosifun. Probably not. And it would be unlikely that Rashi would go with Yosifun over two Tanoim that are mentioned in the Gemara. So it does get mentioned before. It's just likely that it's not it. What are we going to say? No, there's so many opinions. It's hard, to, it's hard to think that this is the case. How did they get so confused? But at the same time, weren't there different potions? It's possible. The, the, the potions were probably the same, but the avnia aphod may have been different. The avnia aphod may have been different from one to the other. If there were more than one of them, then maybe... At some point, they had changed. It's possible. I think they're more going with the drush than they are going into the reality of what it was. It's sort of like what we say. Like we, if they if they found the avnia aphod and they saw them, would Rashi take back his opinion? Would the Rambam take back his opinion? Probably not. They would say, "We see what they did back then, but if we're going to do it for the future, we're going to do it like this, because this is the way that the Torah means it." I would assume that way. Like if Rashi knew again before Rashi made his tefillin, the order of the parshas of the tefillin, were there tefillin? I, you'd assume yes, right? What order of partios were they? You'd assume they were what? Not like Rashi, because Rashi created his filling. Rabbeinu Tom comes along and switches it around a generation later. What happened with those filling? I, 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 you hear what I'm saying? Like, it's possible they understood. We understand what everybody's been doing, and there's been a misora for this, but our psak is to do it differently. We're looking at the sugya and we're seeing it should be a little bit different. So therefore, we're going to change it from what it was. So it's possible even if they found the Avne Ephod, if we would look at them, we'd say, oh, clearly it's like the Tanakama. We'd say, okay, but we hold differently now. We're going to paskin like Rashi or the Rambam. It's possible they'll still hold of their opinions, even though it seems to argue on what happened before, that you need somebody who knows how to work with Misoro. Yeah. But just like an Amora can't argue with a Tana, uh, if we find, let's say we found what they actually used, wouldn't you be able to say it's not a can't argue with the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu? Yeah, uh, unless you say that the person who wrote it may not have had a real opinion and just did it on his own. You're right. If we knew that it was Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel who did that, then we probably wouldn't. But it might not have been Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel. It could have been some Joe Schmo who just put it together. And even though that person is even greater than I am, even though he was an Amma Aretz and I'm a nothing, right, in comparison to that, nonetheless, if I hold, based on my Pesachim, this is the way it should be, then I'm going to hold strong, stark, even now, and say, this is my Pesach. And that's perfectly fine. That's sort of like the base Shammai Beisola argument, so to speak, in, in that way. Now, what do you do when Rashi argues with two Tanoim? So you look up two Svarim, the Mizrahi and the Gurari. The Gurari is the Maharal, 
the Mizrahi, Rabbi Leo Mizrahi, is the first person to have made a mass aliyah to Eretz Yisrael in the early thousands, and the 12, uh, I think it was 1350, 1320, right when the Mizrahi went in, which the Mizrahi movement is sort of named after Rabbi Leo Mizrahi. You have the Mizrahi and the Gwari. They were two Sfarim that wrote on Rashi. Both of them, Tzadik and Gemurim. You look up the Mizrahi and the Gurariye, and there's nothing. Nothing. They don't bring up that Rashi is arguing on a Gemara. They don't bring up that Rakana was rejected from the Gemara because of those two tonight. They don't even say anything. Which leads you to say, something's wrong here. Sifsei Chachamim, which you'll see on the side of your Chumash often, the Sifsei Chachamim, zero. There's nothing here. Absolutely nothing there. The Nachalas Yaakov questions it, and then leaves it as Sarachi and doesn't even bother with an answer. So that Tzedel Adarach points out the issue, but he says Rashi is Lishitasso. And this is something that I think we should know. When Rashi has a simpler explanation than what the Gemara says, even though the Gemara seems to be going in a certain direction, but Rashi says there's a much simpler explanation. That if you look at it, this is a really, really simple explanation of Kitol Dosam. If you look at it and you see it that way, always go with the simpler explanation, even if that means it's going against everyone else. That's an unbelievable shot, and he gives examples of this. He gives three different examples that Seder Lederich does, and he says, Parshish Boat mentions this, it's also later on by Ola Sa'of, where it seems that even though every opinion of the Gemara is going one way, and Rashi goes the other way, if it fits better and shot in the Pusik, Rashi is willing to go with it. You should know, by the way, this is usually where the Ramban destroys the Ibn Ezra. Where the Ibn Ezra says a certain opinion that's against the Gemara, the Ramban will look at the Ibn Ezra and say, how dare he go against the Gemara? That's usually what happens. Maybe the reason why the Ramban didn't say anything about Rashi here, maybe, is because he looked at it and he said, well, there's a Machlokis anyway, so Rashi, I guess, can add to the Machlokis. But it is weird. It's extremely weird over here. The Malbim and the Rinas Yitzchak both say that the Tanakama is really Rashi. And it makes sense. It's all the Tanakama except Yehuda's first. The Tanakama saying Yehuda is first is an added opinion. But everybody held that it went kid told something like Rashi did. Rashi's going with the Pashup shot in the Tanakama. I bet Yehuda is first in the Tanakama. That's the Tanakama adding something to make Yehuda go first out of Hashivus. But not that you need Yehuda to go first. Yehuda is not Ma'akev being first. It could be the order of Rashi itself. And therefore Rashi is not arguing anybody. He's agreeing with the Tanakama, just not putting Yehuda first. That's the answer that the Malb and the Rina give both Tremendous answers. Kolos Rabbah says something as well, but then there's the Rambam. The Rambam is in Hilchos Klea Kodesh, Perak Tes Halacha Tes. And here is just an unbelievable opinion. Look at the Rambam. The Rambam says it goes, Ruvain Shimon, Levi Yehuda, Yisachar Zvulin, Naphtali Dun, God Usher, Yehosef, Binyamin, Binyamin without a Yud. You look at this Rambam, and it's clear, he held that it went one to the next, one to the next, one to the next, all the way through. He didn't go Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. He went this way. But then if you notice, he does Yisachar Zvulin before Dun and Naphtali got an usher. Yisachar Zvulin was born at, were born after them, but yet he puts them first. Then he switches around Dun and Naphtali. He puts Naphtali first and then Dun. Then he makes Yehosef with the hay and Binyamin without a Yud. So clearly the Rambam wanted to have 25 letters and 25 letters. If you do Yehosef and you switch Dun and Naphtali, you'll have 25 and 25. But who is the Rambam going like? The Rambam is not like anyone. 
It's sort of like he pulled this answer out of the air and said, oh, this is the pshat. It's nowhere near Rabbi Hanina and Begum Leo, nowhere near the Tanakhama, not nowhere near the rejected opinion of Rav Kahana. Where in the world does the Rambam come up with this idea over here? So there's a lot of problems with this, obviously. If you look through, trying to find out. So the Kesef Mishnah. This is the base Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Cairo, who wrote a sefer on the tour and the Rambam before writing his Shulchan Aruch. The Kesef Mishnah on the, on the, on the, what's called, the Rambam, as well as the base Yosef itself on the tour, finally coming out with the Shulchan Aruch, right, that came out toward the end of his life based on the Pesachim that he gave in the Kesef Mishnah, which is a source of the Rambam, where the Rambam gets everything in this. The Kesef Mishnah says, the Psak is like Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel. The Rambam holds like Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel, but he understands the opinion of Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel very differently. There are three separate statements that Rabbi Hanina made. Three separate statements. He said, number one, B'nai Leah Kisidron. B'nai Leah Kisidron, we thought meant Ruven Shemin Levi Yudi Yisachar Zvulin. B'nai Levi, in one order, makes a lot of sense. He says, it's also that way, but you go across. Ruven Shemin Levi Yudi Yisachar Zvulin, they're all in order, but you have to go across. Got it? Makes sense? Okay, we got B'nai Levi Kisidron. Second one is, B'nai Rachel, Echod Mikan, Echod Mikan. The Bnei Rochel, one over here, one over there. We thought it meant Binyamin on top, Yosef on the bottom. One on this side, one on that side of the Bnei Shvachos. That's what we thought it meant. He says it means no. One here and one there. Yehosef and then Binyamin. That's the easy way of looking at it. Echad Mikan on one shoulder and Echad Mikan, one on the other shoulder. And that way, and says the Rambam, not only on them two, everyone is Echad Mikan, Echad Mikan. One here, one there, one there, one there, one there. And it kept going from one to the other. So finally get to Yosef and Benjamin, one here and one there. That's the way he says it goes. That's number two. Number three, B'nai Shvachos Be'emtza. The B'nai Shvachos are in the middle. We thought it meant in the middle of Benjamin and Yosef. He says it means between B'nai Leah and B'nai Rachel. B'nai Leah here, B'nai Rachel there. The B'nai Shvachos are in the middle. They're be'emtza. And beautiful. Rabbi Hanina Begumliel's statements, the three statements that we have from Rabbi Hanina Begumliel, all work out well. And not only that, but I also get the Tanakhama's 25 and 25. I can get 25 here, 25 there, and that's why he switched Dun and Aftali, even though it should be done here and Aftali there. I also get the 25 and 25. According to this, says the Kesef Mishnah, you end up getting all the opinions put together as one, not all of the Tanakhama, but the idea of what the Tanakhama meant of 25 and 25. You get Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel as well. It's unique Shita, but it works. It works. The Orachayim HaKadosh takes him to task. He says he doesn't like it at all. Why would the Rambam paskin like Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel over the Tanakama? If you have Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel in the Tanakama, says the Orachayim HaKadosh, you would go with the Tanakama. Why would you go with Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel's opinion if the Tanakama argues? That's number one. Why would the Rambam go that way? That's number one. He can't understand that at all. The Kesem Mishnah said, Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel is more mistaber, makes more sense. Says the Orachayim HaKadosh, what does that mean it's more mistaber? There's nothing that makes more sense than the opinion of Rashi. That's the most mistaber opinion. And that's the Tanakama with Yehuda first. Why would the Rambam go with this opinion when this is clearly more mistaber, clearly makes much more sense? Number two, he says, why are only the Bnei Rachel listed as Echad Mikan to Echad Mikan? It says Bnei Rachel, Echad Mikan to Echad Mikan. But according to the Rambam, they're all Echad Mikan to Echad Mikan. Each one of them is Echad Mikan to Echad Mikan. You shouldn't have said Bnei Rachel, Echad Mikan to Echad Mikan. You should have just said Echad Mikan to Echad Mikan, and that should have been it. So he doesn't understand that. The third question is, this order is supposed to be according to Sefer Shmos. According to Sefer Shmos, Yosef is last. Binyamin was before him. Even if you want to put the Bnei Rachel last, 
Binyamin should be here and Yosef should be there. It shouldn't be the opposite order. So why would you do it that way? Yosef was last according to Shmos. And that's what it said. We go with, it, the second one was according to the safer Shmos. So he doesn't understand that. Yeah, so that, but that's why we're going with the order in Shmos. And that's where it says that Yosef was last. So put Yosef last. That's the idea. And number four, his fourth question is, where in the world did the Rambam come up with this? Where did he come up with this? It's just a huge Kiddush. Is this based on a Medrash somewhere? Why would he go with Rabbi Yitzchak and say, Yeho, Safe when everybody else holds like Reb Nachman Bar Yitzchak and says it's Binyamin with the Yud. Why would he do that? It's just so strange. Everything about the Rambam is strange. The Orachim HaKadosh goes on. There's a safer get Pashut. In Hilchus Gittin, Simen Kuf Chav Tess, Sif Kutten Kuf Chav Zayin. It's hard to find because it's actually a little Sif in the middle of everything. But Kuf Chav Tess, Kuf Chav Zayin, that tries to answer all these questions. I suggest everybody look it up. I do have it on the sheets if you want to see it. They're not, the, I, I don't think, and it's my opinion. I don't think they're the strongest answers. I feel the Orachim HaKadosh is a really strong opinion. Again, Against the Rambam being like Rabbi Hanina Ben Gamliel. He tries saying it's really the Tanakama. Uh, no, he says that it's Rabbi Hanina Ben Gamliel, but it's okay to go through there. But there, it seems strange to me. Yeah, what were you going to say? Can we say that um, the Tanakama is sometimes Rabbi Meir? It can't be. It's normally, Stamish is Rabbi Meir. Over here, if he's arguing with Rabbi Hanina Ben Gamliel, it can't be Rabbi Meir. He was the generation after Rabbi Gamliel, the second, who was the son of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the, the first. Rabbi Gamliel, the second, who was the father of Shimon Gamliel, right? And then would have been around the times of Rabbi Akiva, likely. Rabbi Hanina Ben Gamliel was probably that last generation of Tanoim, right? It was right before Levi and Rabbi Afis and Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Hanina, etc. So it's likely we're dealing with different generations. Rabbi Meir could have been around, but he would have been much older and was probably dead by then. But I, I, I don't know. It could be that it was Rabbi Meir. I just don't know for sure. But let me tell you a Chassam Sofer. This Chassam Sofer is ingenious. I, I, I don't know. See, I can never understand where the Chassam Sofer comes up with anything. But this is one of the most brilliant Pshatim I've ever seen. And I have to say... I never would have found this if not for the Frankel Rambams. I looked in the back of the Frankel Rambams and he has all those, the Meforshim in the back where they tell you where to look up. He said to look up the Chsam Sofer and Parshas Vayakel on page Kuf Nun Dalit. I never would have found it without them, so I have to thank the Koel, whoever put it together with Refrankel, putting it in the back of the Rambam because I never would have seen this otherwise. This shot is like this. There is an opinion that says that it's not Yosef and Levi that are written on the stones. If you look up here, the Tshuva Zagaonim says that it wasn't Yosef and it wasn't Levi. There was Menashe, Ephraim, and not you, and not Levi and not Yosef. They took Levi out, they took Yosef, and they put a Menashe and Ephraim. And Menashe and Ephraim are put before Binyamin. That's the Tshuva Zagonim's opinion. How do you know that Levi and Yosef were put on the Kisvosa Ephod and not Menashe and Ephraim? How do you know that? How do you know that it was them, Levi and Yosef, and not Menashe and Ephraim? How do we know the Tshuva Zagonim isn't right? So he says the following. He says, the word kid told those some, as we've used before, means according to how they're given birth to, which means in the family. Yosef and Levi were in the family. Ephraim and Asha were not. So if you have the word kid told those some, you need the Bnei Yaakov. You need Yosef and Levi. You can't use Menashe and Ephraim. Okay. But if you learn it that way, and that's why it's Yosef and Levi and not Ephraim and Menashe, that means you can't use kid told those some says Chassam Sofer, to teach me anything else. Which means you can't use Kitoldosim to tell you how to spell the names. Spell the names according to what it was at birth to know what they spell like. So maybe it's like this. And he says such a crazy pshat. 
Maybe it's this. Yosef Atzadik went to Aishas Potiphar's house. Lasos Malachto. Everybody remember that? He went in, Lasos Malachto, to do his work. There are two opinions brought down what that means that he went in to do his work. One is, is that he planned on marrying Aishas Potiphar. Being together with Aishas Potiphar. And he stopped himself. Why did he stop himself? All of a sudden he stopped himself and he saw Yaakov Avinu's face in the window. Somehow he saw Yaakov Avinu's face, the Kisya covered coming down. Yaakov Avinu's face right in front of him. And he stopped himself from being with him because what did Yaakov Avinu say? Do you want your name erased from the Avne Ha'ephod? Do you want your name to be taken away from the Avne Ha'ephod? Not in the Koshen. Do you want your name erased from the Avne Ha'ephod, from the stones of the Ephod? And that stopped him. That stopped him. He said after that, do I want it? No, I don't want it. And he ran away. He ran away. So the shot is, then we already know that Yosef's name is on the ephod. If we have this medrash telling us that Yaakov Inu told Yosef, do you want your name on the Avne ephod? And Yosef said yes. That means whose name is on the ephod? Yosef's. I don't need Kitol Dosim to tell me that. Kitol Dosim is extra. So what does Kitol Dosim teach me? Kitol Dosim will teach me that there's a certain way of writing the names and it'll be Binyama with a Yud and Yosef without the hay, etc. But if you learn the other way, that Yosef Atzadik did not go in to be with Aishas Potiphar, he went in to do his work literally. He went in to do his work literally. Aishas Potiphar cornered him and he ran away. No medrash. He didn't see Akovinu's face. He didn't see, right, Yaakovinu come down to him. Yaakovinu never said to him, you're on the Avne Ephod. How do you know that Yosef's on the Avne Ephod? You don't have Yaakovinu saying it to him. He didn't tell him anywhere. So how do you know he's on the Avne Ephod? <laughs> From the word Kitoldosim. Kitoldosim knocks out Menashe and Ephraim and puts him in. Which means Kitoldosim is not there to tell you how to spell the names. Which means you can spell it as Yehosef and Binyamin without the Yud. That's the way to be able to do it, that Kedoshim is not going to be extra in such a way. How do we know the Rambam Paskins the second way? That he Paskins, that he went in Lasos Malachto itself? That's a whole big arichus that he says based on the Parak Bametomnin, where the word Malachto is used. This word, Lasos Malachto, is one of the 39 Lashonos of Malacha Mamish to say how many Malachos there are on Shabbos. There's another Malacha mentioned somewhere else, but this one is included. If you include this one, that means Lasus Malachto is literal. If it's literal, like the Rambam says, if it is literal, then it can't, it must be used to be able to say that Kid told Osam is really Yosef and not Menashe and Ephraim, which means it doesn't say the names, which means Yosef could be Yosef. It's a crazy pshat, but really a brilliant way of looking at this entire thing. Yeah, quickly, as because I want to end with this. You got to do both. It's either Levi and Yosef or Menashe and Ephraim taking out Levi and Yosef. It can't be either one. There are other opinions. The Das Zekanim is another opinion. There's the Shubas Gaonim that we already mentioned. Rabbi Avram ben Yitzchak Milo Neil has an answer. There's a strange opinion brought up by the Torah Shlema in his Miluim number 10. Something really strange over there. Then there's the Rabbeinu Bechaya. Rabbeinu Bechaya seems to be the same thing as, as Rashi, but I think it's just a mistake. It's really, really strange the way he goes through it. Let's end with one thing. There's a Balaturim that says that the reason why there were six names and six names is because there are six words in Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Malokeinu Hashem Echad. Out of those six words, there are 25 letters. Shema is three, Yisrael is five, Hashem is four, Elokeinu is six, Hashem is four, Echad is three. 
altogether 25 letters. The six words in 25 letters of Shema Yisrael represent the Shvatim. We say Shema twice a day. Look inside the Balaturim and the Rokeach. It's a little bit different. He says, Baruch Shem Kavod Machzolam Ba'ed. Baruch Shem Kavod Machzolam Ba'ed. It's also six words. But you say Shema in the morning, Shema in the evening. 25 letters of Shema in the morning, 25 letters of Shema in the evening. Who said Shema for the very first time? Who was the very first people to say Shema? The Shvatim. Yaakov wanted to reveal to them the cates of Mashiach when Mashiach was coming. And he saw that he lost Ruach HaKodesh. And he turned to the Shvatim and he said, Maybe one of you sinned. Maybe that's the reason why I can't say anything. Maybe one of you sinned. And they said, Shema Yisrael, referring to their father, Listen, Yaakov Vinu, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. We're all one. You don't have to worry about us whatsoever. The unity that they believed in with HaKadosh Baruch Hu connected all of them as one so that all 12 Shvatim said together, we believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Hashem Achad. We have no problem to which Yaakov responded. What did he respond? Baruch Shein Kvom Right? Moshe Rabbeinu never put Baruch Shein Kvom in the Torah, in Parshas Vaschanan and Akev when we went through Shema. Vaschanan is where Shema Yisrael is, but Akev is where Vahayim Shmoa is. He didn't put in Baruch Shein Kvom but we say it quietly because Yaakov said it. That's the Gemara and Pesachim. Right? The Gemara and Pesachim and Dalit says that. So maybe we can understand something awesome. Rabbeinu Ephraim says that splitting up the Shvatim is like Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat There's the Torah Shabbat ones, Torah Shabbat ones. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're both equal. That Torah Shabbat is equal to Torah Shabbat You need both. And if you don't have both, you don't have anything whatsoever. You need all 12 Shvatim. If you don't have those six, you don't have the other six, and that's that. Maybe the Peshat is that all 12 Shvatim had very unique ways of connecting to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. If I went throughout this room right now, I could ask every single person how they connect to Hashem in their own way, and everybody's going to have a unique answer. I do this. I daven this way. I learn this way. There's something that I like that's going to be different from every single person here. Every Shevet represented a different method, a different way of getting Shefa from Hashem, a different, like, so to speak, tube that brought their Tfilos up to Shemaim that allowed to go through. You can't expect a Dun to be like an Aftali. You can't expect a Shemim to be like a Yisachar. It's just not going to be that way. They all have their different aspects. And that goes through when we go to us nowadays. By every individual person, everybody has something that's there. But we all connect ourselves and we believe in Shema Yisrael Shemal Keno Shemachad. Although there has to be six and six and they seem separate. It looks like they have nothing to do with one another. That each guy has their own thing. Shema Yisrael Shemal Keno Shemachad applies. Each one of them are connecting back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And to that we say Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus that we all want to do things L'Shem Shemayim. We want it to be in the best possible way. And Yaakov thus told them. That's why he told them at the end this is amazing. You, continue, you should continue to grow greater and greater with your own personal strengths. The, the personal cocos that you have, use that again and again and again. Become greater, become more powerful, become your own people, and that's what Baruch Hashem Make that Kiddush Hashem that a Kaddish Baruch who knows that you can make. And that's the lesson behind these stones and what it means. The order, who went where, okay, that, that's important, but not for the overall purpose of let's argue for this. The real purpose behind all of this is to understand that there's something that connects us all and it's a Kaddish Baruch himself. Have a good Shabbos, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.